Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. It's episode 29 of the Loud Pedal Podcast, and we're going to jump right into it this week. We now have on the line the number one ranked non-wing sprint car driver in the world, according to FlowRacing.com's rankings, and also uh, the winner at Brownstown Speedway, pocketing $7,500 to begin the Indiana Open Wheel uh, season. Congratulations, KT. Big win for you and Davey and J-Mac and the boys over there. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good one. Um... You know, I don't think we were the fastest car, though. You know, Brady uh, Brady had us beat pretty good. But, um, you know, we had a good solid car all night. So, you know, everybody's been working hard. To, you know, the 9Ks finally turned itself around, and uh, I'm pretty pleased with that. The, the guys, they really work well together. Um, you know, Davey and J-Mac, they, they, they get along way better than what I thought they would. Um, you know, it's just difference of minds and age and things like that. So uh whenever they got to jail and uh at the beginning of the year I, I i had good feelings about that yeah explain that dynamic because i've i've thought that is interesting because they're two uh they're two very different people but i think in a lot of ways they're both kind of similar in some other ways too so how has that uh how has that kind of progressed since even the start of the year uh a lot actually you know obviously the the winter months was um was good for that just letting everybody kind of hang out with each other more or less and um davy already liked jason before that um then whenever i brought him on like liking somebody and then working with people usually are two different things um and you know they they just get along well and on and off the track which was uh something that i was obviously a little worried about just I just don't like when people butt heads because I do that enough myself. So whenever uh, the rest of the team can, um, you know, just gel and get on the same page, uh, whether it's there's just not a whole lot of community. If you can go throughout the night without, uh, you know, having a whole lot of communication and um, having to explain a bunch of things just because Davey has his way of doing it. Jason's very smart for his age and has his way of doing it. So, those 
meshed really well right off the bat and i was i was real happy with that both incredible minds um jason mcdougall obviously a great race car driver he told me in florida that he's actually having more fun working on the sprint cars than he's uh you know done in racing just because it's more rewarding he can actually sit on the outside of the racetrack and see you know the little changes that he makes and he can make an improvement uh you know by his hands which uh is, is cool and then davy jones of course you know one of the best of all time working on sprint cars um, the quirkiness and also both having really good minds about these sprint cars and, and dirt racing in general uh, helps, don't it? It does, especially whenever I'm on the track. There's, you know, there's times where, uh, you know, Davey will, you know, kind of get it in his head that the car's doing one thing or whatever and sees a, a certain way that the car's reacting to the track or the way I'm driving or whatever. And Jason gives a little bit of, you know, an extra... I guess feel good to make Davey think that he's right or sometimes explain it in a different way too. And which helps because coming from me, you know, say if it's a bad car or whatever it is, and I'm usually a little hot whenever I get out and Jason being able to explain that kind of before Davey ever talks to me, I think is one of the biggest things that, I like about those two being able to sit with each other and, and watch the race as it's going on. And, you know, we've had two good nights, you know, we've, we've won two out of three races so far. So we haven't had those, but you know, there's going to be a time whenever, you know, I'm driving terribly or the car's not doing what we want it to do. And, you know, I, I think once we get to those situations, Jason's going to be able to basically explain what I'm feeling before I ever even have to talk to Davey. So uh, I think it's just going to, not that everything's really rushed or timing, but it's just going to give Davey an extra, whatever, five minutes to think about things or, or have a good explanation whenever I get out of the car, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So uh, I just think we got a good team because of Jason's driving and crewing. And then obviously Davey just does what he does. So, uh, and then, you know, we got AJ too that, you know, he picks up the slack on all ends, you know, whether it's Jason's running a little behind there, he knows quite a bit. Uh, I mean, he's tire guy, but he, he's much more than that too. You know, he's, he does quite a bit of everything and obviously he runs the, the Rams racing midgets. Um, so he's pretty mechanically inclined. So, uh, I, I got a good group of guys and I'm pretty pleased with them. For you. I mean, I know the Jones family is, uh, they're important to you. I mean, even going back to working with Bub, uh, and you've, you know, had a relationship with Davey in the past and I know your buddies with, with Dylan and Dalton and, and that whole family. So for you to, to kind of get back to winning ways with their family, uh, does that make it a little more special to you too? It does. You know, I, I love those guys, you know, racing aside, like they're my friends, you know, we go play golf together. We can go do whatever it is that we want to do and still have that aspect of being friends with each other. And then, you know, having success with those types of people, that are are good to you um off the track it it makes it just a little bit more fun um winning is fun in general but winning with certain people is just it's it's hard to explain really and i just i just like it it's a very tough feeling to to kind of translate into words but it just makes you feel a little bit better that you're doing it with the people that you like. So I, I enjoy racing with those guys. And I mean, Davey, we've had our, our tiffs before, but I mean, 
we're two guys that are pretty passionate about what we do. And whenever you get that, I mean, sometimes you're going to butt heads, but I mean, I butt heads with my wife. I still love her. So it's all good. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't butt head with my butt heads with my wife at all. No, that's lying. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it had, you know, it's not a secret that you went a long time without winning a USAC race. Um, I'm sure you felt it. Um, you, I, I think we felt it when your words rang off of the bleachers in Ocala, you know, we're back. Um, what did that win feel like? Well, that's exactly what I said, you know, it's, it's man it's it's tough to go through that uh knowing that you can still do it you know it, it's it's just real tough on on myself mentally cuz i'm super super hard on myself and you know a lot of a lot of the things that people see they you know like yeah i do have a little bit of a temper but my, probably 98% of the time i'm mad at myself i'm not really mad at anybody else or if I throw a receiver into the front of the trailer, it's because I didn't do something that I expected myself to do. And, and I, I'm just super hard, hard on myself. So being able to come back from that, um, you know, there's people hit dry spells and we'll probably hit one this year and that's just the way it goes. But, uh, for that long of a period of time, like I was starting to get really frustrated and, um, you know, it didn't, I felt like nothing I did really went well. And then, uh, you know, I just got the people and, and really worked at getting the people around me that I like and being able to focus back on what I need to be focusing on. And, you know, Davey, Jason, AJ, they, they do a really good job. They all know their roles. They all make me feel comfortable off the racetrack at the shop and on the racetrack. So, you know, every every little bit of that, I'm not second guessing those guys. They they know what they're doing. So it just creates like a big comfort zone for me. And then when I'm comfortable, you know, I feel more confident in being able to do what I, I think I can do. And uh, you know, we're winning races right now. So I'm 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 very happy. What's harder on a driver? The like the stress and strain of trying to get your first national win? or going, you know, off and having success, having a lot of success in your case, and then going through a dry spell like that and trying to break through and, and get back to victory lane? I want to say the dry spell because you're expected to do it and you're not doing it. Um, you know, whenever you're battling for your first win, which I was in that position for quite a while as well, um, everybody's more or less cheering for you. You know, it's like a, it's like a Jacob Allen type deal. You know, everybody's cheering for him. When bad things happen, they really have his back. And they, but when Donnie's doing bad, everybody's talking shit on him. And that's the hardest part. <laughs> oh, well, they're melting down or they're washed up or they're this. Donnie's shots ain't washed up. I ain't forget how to do it. Things like that. I, I live in Brownsburg, so I hear quite a bit. But it's just one of those situations whenever you get into that and you've had success in the past. And then you go through the dry spell. It is probably more taxing on the on the brain than trying to get your first win for sure. That's a good point. That's a real good point. And you know, Jacob Allen, of course, with the World of Outlaws, nearly winning a race the other night, and uh, just drove a little too hard in the corner and flipped. And uh, I'm still voting for Donnie at you know towards the top here. I mean, he's still top five in the world, and he's run more races than anyone. Yeah, and you know it's. 
it kind of frustrates me a little bit because I've experienced some of it. And, um, man, I just don't, I don't like giving up on those guys because, it, you know, people just have drive. We're all human beings. I mean, Tom Brady didn't win every single Super Bowl he was in. You know, it's like, and then whenever they start winning, you know, everybody's kind of back on the bandwagon. So uh, it's, it's just, it's tough whenever people, there's always a lot of people around you, especially in racing and or any other professional sport. Um, there's people that are always going to have your back, but those usually you can count on about one hand. The rest of them, they're going to be there when it's fun. They're going to be gone whenever it's it's not that much fun. So it's uh, it's tough. Uh, it's an emotional battle, I think, more than anything. Um, and then once you get to that point of, of breaking through or or understanding the the level of success that you had and then having less success than the normal or what's expected of you you know you, you really see who you're around and, and the types of people that you're around so uh, it's it's tough but i mean you learn a lot that's for sure there's that line in the florence and the machine song that says it's always the darkest before the dawn and i i think of like just in recent memory i mean guys like like justin grant or even like Wyndham, where they went through like a really really tough stretch where you know they were bouncing around rides and, and crashing and just not having the success that we've come to expect. And then, you know, a year or two later, they turn it around and they're, you know, they're back on top of their game. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's a good perspective too, is that it can change so quickly. But with that said, you know, how encouraged are you or excited are you for the rest of the year now that, you know, not only you've got the national win, you know, to kick off the year at Ocala, but, you know, you've won in Indiana too. And, and it sounds like, you know, you guys are kind of firing on all cylinders right now. I'm real excited. Uh, just even like what I said earlier, like racing with the people that I, I'm around. I, I like racing with them in general. Now, yes, we've had some success. We've won a couple races right off the bat. And that's always good for team morale just to get everybody kind of going. But um, I even had fun with them when I ran, ran six, the, you know, the second night of Ocala. So, you know, I just have a good time, whether it's, you know, at the car wash with the guys, whether it's, you know, going to eat throughout the week, lunch with the guys, you know, I have a good time with these dudes. So um, I'm excited for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, I think I'm really excited for having, you know, the opportunity to run for Dr. Pepper and have these good people around me, but also being able to travel again, too. Um, you know, I think that's going to be fun getting to go back to Pennsylvania and some places like that, that uh, that's that's what I like to do is to travel. So um, it's just going to be a good year. You know, it, you just make the best of it. It may turn to shit here. You never know. But uh, we're just going to try to do everything we can to keep our head on our shoulders and, you know, head down, keep digging. And if you go through a little bit of a dry spell, just keep working at it. And, you know, the years that I won a lot of races, you know, 20, 22 races a year, there were times I went through a two-month dry spell. It just it happens and you know you easily forget about those because you're winning but uh you know that's just what you gotta do you just gotta work hard to get back to doing what you know you can do and uh with the guys around me they all got pretty good attitudes and you know they pick me up whenever i'm down and tell me i'm stupid whenever they need to and or acting you know out of line so uh, i got a good group and and whenever you have that around you i, I think it's just uh it's going to set the bar high for ourselves, but 
uh, you know, I think we're capable of, of doing what we're setting out to do. I'm having a little bit of deja vu of eight years ago uh, with the 17RW when when old Dutch and AJ Bray and Sam McGee and you guys were the best sprint car on the planet, right? I mean, it seems like you guys have that kind of speed right now. It feels like it. It feels very similar. Um, you know, that was a little bit different package, but the the feeling is the same. You know, now we got, we used to have Max and Charlie Fishers, things kind of different tires, um, being able to adapt to the new tires. And we got DRC chassis speedway engines. Um, now it's a, it's a different package, but it feels very similar. Uh, just the morale of the team, the way things are kind of rolling and, you know, last year or even the year before that, like I would have, I would have not won the no way out because of luck. You know what I mean? I would have, something stupid would have happened and that's just the way it goes. And you got to understand those things and take them with a grain of salt, but they get tough whenever they just keep piling up. So things are going our way. We, heck, I even won a hundred bucks on a scratch off ticket the other day. So that's also rare in itself. So it's, things are going our way. I, I'm enjoying the year and, uh, you know, I, I think we've done some good things over the winter. I've done some things over the winter to help myself mentally. Uh, and I think it's just paying off. You mentioned tires, and I just read an article in Sprint Car Midget Magazine about it, so I'm going to bring it up to you. But the Indiana local track tire rule that has been implemented this year where you can uh, you can run a softer compound, Hoosier tire, you can run the medium, which is what they've run the last couple of years, basically to – in theory, prevent teams from tire doping to soften the tires up. So what is your opinion on that and how it's going to potentially affect the local scene? I honestly, well, we had a, the no way out was an open tire rule too. And we ran our standard USAC medium tire. So I think, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, to be honest. Uh, there's people that are freaking out about it and, if they're going to dope tires, they're going to dope tires. And that just is what it is. I don't, I don't think that little bit of a softer compound is going to fix your whole race car. I don't think it's going to fix your driving abilities. And I just don't think it's going to do that much. And, you know, you got to, just because you have a soft tire and there's a two foot tall cushion at Putnamville, if you hit it wrong, you're still going to flip. And it's not going to be a fix all. So I, I don't, I just don't think it's going to be that big of an advantage one or I don't think it's going to solve any soaking problems. You know, it's, that's just, they're just going to make soft tires even softer. People and, soak tires at the chili bowl, right? Yeah. And we get to run the softest tires that they have. So it, I don't <laughs> exactly. think it really makes, I don't think it's going to make a difference. It's, uh, you know, you may see some, some times maybe that it, it's going to uh, affect maybe a race or, or whatever, but I mean, there's no testing, so you're not going to be able to, can't protest anything, you can't do anything. So, um, you either get on with what you're doing, uh, or you figure out a way to win at some of those places. But, um, I just don't see it making a huge, a huge effect. You know, I'd, you always see everything on social media, but, um, if you didn't have social media and they did that, there would be no fuss. So, I don't think they're the people that are, are, are griping aren't really going to be racing against a lot of them anyways. So it's, 
I just don't really see the point in even bringing it up, to be honest. They want to run, you know, two lefters on that thing. Do whatever you want. <laughs> that's, that's such a great line. So we did a all-access with you at the Chili Bowl, right? Um, and you told our camera guy that, uh, you know, if the camera wasn't pointed at us, you'd hear a lot worse. We need to confirm yeah. this. Is it squid dick or is it squirrel dick? What? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, it's it's usually squirrel dick. Um, but I don't know why where squid dick come from, to be honest. I have no idea. But, yeah, it's now a thing. I don't know. It kind of rolls off the tongue, I guess. It's, uh, I don't know. I shouldn't do stuff like that, to be honest. <laughs> I just shut up. That's Dylan, the point which of one do you like access. better? Yeah, that's the point of an all access, though, is that, you know, that's, that's yeah. how you guys talk normally. So who cares? It, it, it is. It. Yeah. I, well, whenever I get to saying like squirrel dick, things like that, uh, I'm usually, that's a substitution word. And yeah. uh, because I do know the camera's on me. And, uh, I should shape that up a little bit. I should just maybe use that all the time since it's decently politically correct. See, Tyler, what you need to do is you need to figure out a way to get people mic'd up in the helmet when they get, you know, dirty slid or stuffed in the fence or whatever, because that's when you'd really hear the good stuff. So yeah. it's funny because because at Waynesfield when I worked there, I actually used to mess around with the compact series and we had a kid, a kid his nickname was Squirrel, right? Because, you know, of course, he was a squirrel in the B-Main every week. Uh, we actually hooked a lapel mic to the GoPro, and it's really, really funny. Like, I, like if so, if one of the sprint car drivers would allow me to do it, I will do it in a heartbeat. I mean, I mean, I would do it. I mean, everybody already knows kind of the way I am. So it's some people don't think it's that funny, but some people do. So if we can provide some entertainment for people, I'd do it. <laughs> I think I think I asked go. Dylan this question before. I think I asked this. Do you guys talk inside of the race car? Like, I mean, you know, if someone comes up to you or gets out of the racetrack, do you yell at them? But I mean, you know, are you mentally yelling, like, uh, you know, under caution, or you know, where would the where would the sound come from? I don't know if I yell. I mean, I might talk a little bit, you know, just kind of mumble something. I don't think I've ever yelled. I mean, until somebody could hear me. You know, inside the race car, obviously, I know nobody's going to hear me, so I don't do anything, which, you know, half the stuff I do is for show anyways, just to screw with people. But <laughs> it's that's just the way it is. So um, I don't I don't know. I don't know how entertaining it would actually be because I don't know if I say anything. Mm -hmm. It'd be good. It'd yep. be good if somebody gets crashed or something. You'd be, you'd yeah, be right there different. when they throw, throw the steering wheel off or something. It'd probably be good then. Yeah. We've had, I mean, we've had a few moments. You know, McDougal got out of the car, uh, mic'd up uh, after the Alphabet Soup run. Um, we heard some stuff there. Uh, you know, Dylan, when he pulled into the work area in his all-access piece, he had his mic on. He was yelling at Chad, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. They made me pull off. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, you get some of that kind of stuff. But to have it, like, you know, in turn two on the other side of the racetrack, you know, it's kind of hard to pick up sometimes. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's more what I meant is we need to figure out a way to get it. So when somebody flips at the other end of the track or, you know, you got a mic on me when Chase Johnson runs me in the fence, you know, on the front stretch, then you've got that, you've got that mic'd up. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, I think that would that would be pretty good, honestly. You know, the car whenever you stop, whether it's you know you get spun out or somebody, the biggest one is like if somebody runs you over, you don't crash. You just kind of hook together, spin out, and you can yell at each other. Those are, yeah. those would be pretty entertaining, honestly. Yeah, those are the those are the good ones. <laughs> yeah, and because we so say funny. some dumb dumb stuff like things that don't even make sense. Yeah. Like you'd be making fun of their toes and stuff. Be like, you're like, why? <laughs> why? What's the point in that? <laughs> oh man, that would be complete gold if we got that. I wanted to ask you about this too. You know, so you're running the midget series as well. Are you are you full time with USAC this year? Or are you gonna run with Petrie? Uh, yeah, yeah. I will. I'll okay. run with Petrie, and uh, we may run some power eye stuff too. But it's gonna be all USAC. That's gonna be our focus. Uh, you know, Davey's working on that thing too. So we made some some good gains. It didn't really show in Florida. We had some some issues. Uh, we had an engine let go on us, and um, on the night we went quick time. Then it ended up raining. It was just kind of a mess. Um, but I think once we get back here to Indiana, you know, we haven't ran a whole lot since then, or actually zero. But um, I, I think Joe Axum and Emerson. Um, they've been doing pretty good. You know, they ran pretty well at the power ride races this weekend. They've been, um, they've been, uh, doing some things to the cars to, to just try to get some grip into them. So, uh, Joe's pretty smart dude. And once I, uh, once I figured that out, like I started trusting him a little bit more cause I, I didn't know. And once, uh, when, whenever he got going on this stuff, uh, middle of last year, I wasn't running, but I saw lots of gains with, with what he's doing, him and Terry, and, and now you're adding Davey to it. So uh, that's another team that's got a pretty good package that, you know, I always like to bet on myself. But I, I think Emerson's going to be uh, a real pain in the butt for a lot of people this year. Uh, you know, I think he's going to click off a couple wins. Uh, I, just, I just don't know when. Um, but he's knocking on the door right now. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with that program as well. I totally agree with you. Emerson's super fast, you know, nearly won last. I think he had a podium uh, plug in the bottom was that sweet Springs, I think. Um, but yeah, he and his dad are, you know, making that midget go uh, and, and, you know, it's helping you as well. Uh, I, the story you told me in Ocala, I want you to tell a story before we let you go. Um, I think it was after you blew the motor the first night, you said the sprint car season, one of the sprint car years, you didn't even come to Florida because you thought you were going to be a wing sprint car racer or something. And then you ended up jumping back on the sprint car tour and nearly won the championship. You know, tell us that story. When was that? Uh, it was 2017. That's whenever I ran the, uh, the famed Buffalo Wild Wings car. Um, we went out there. We, we won like a 360 race at, uh, at Arizona Speedway, rest in peace. But, once I got done with that, dang it! I think he, I think he hung up on himself. Did he? I couldn't tell if that was me or him. <laughs> I think he might have hit the end or something. You got me back. What'd you do? Yeah, did your phone die? Oh no, my dang phone overheated. Oh, oh that's not good. It's because it's in the yeah, sun or something. Yeah, it off. <laughs> I had to take it out of the case. <laughs> All right, we won't keep you much longer. Just finish that story. You, I think you were talking about the Buffalo Wild Wings car, and then uh, we'll we'll let you go. Yeah, so we uh, went out there to run that thing, and um, 
there was, you know, we won a race and we went to a couple of world outlaw races out there and we didn't get to go. And, uh, I got fired from that deal. So, uh, come back and I ran a couple races for, for Dan Pace. I ran some for, I want to say Tony Epperson too. Uh, I ran, ran a couple mixed match races, finally put the nine K back together. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning 20 races that year. So, and really didn't get started till end of May. Um, then we only lost the championship. I want to say by like 58 points. Like if I would have just showed up to Florida, I would have won the championship. So, um, I think, uh, in the midget, you know, it's going to be a little different. I think, uh, that year in the sprint car, there wasn't as many, uh, but we also had a good year. We also had a good year. So, uh, this year in the midget, you know, it's going to be fairly similar. You know, I'm going to be coming back from uh, probably 80 points back and, and try to get the deal done. So, uh, there's a lot of tough competition now, and a lot of people got their stuff together. You know, Chad, Bo, Keith, um, CMR, you know, it's just, there's a lot of good teams, and uh, we're just going to have to have uh, a good season from here on out. For sure. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It was fun to talk to you, and congratulations on the win. Um, go get her done at Lawrenceburg this weekend, all right? One of your best tracks. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for having me on. Sorry about the malfunction. Thanks to Kevin Thomas Jr. for coming on the show. Entertaining interview always. Uh, he he's you know one of the most entertaining guys in the sport. Whether he's you know having altercations at charity races or he's winning huge races, which he did at Brownstown over the weekend, seventy five hundred dollars uh, to him, and he's getting ready to win some more USAC races this year. Watch out. We're now joined by Matt Weaver. He is getting ready to begin his tenure at Flow Racing, and we're super excited about it. He's you know going to contribute some articles during the week and cover the All-Star Circuit of Champions and the United States Auto Club, uh, be it their National Sprint Car Series, Midget, and Silver Crown Series. Matt, are you excited about this opportunity? We're, we're excited to have you. I am, and, and let me tell you, I thought um, I was at Bristol over the weekend for the NASCAR event, and um, I had kind of a kind of a, a surreal feeling leaving because I thought to myself, this is so like indicative of some of the things that I'm trying to do this year because – I wanted to cover more dirt. That was a priority. And um, being able to do it with you guys is actually like the ideal situation. But then I thought of, of the other element of, of my career and what I do and, and the NASCAR stuff. And I just thought it was so fitting that I was I was leaving a dirt track. I mean, it's not really a, a real dirt track, I guess, but it's, it was Bristol. It was the Bristol dirt track. And it was just so indicative of like this blend that I'm trying to do and I'm jazz. I mean, that's, that's a long-winded way of saying it, but I am super stoked. Matt, we've seen your, you know, your coverage of dirt racing for the last, uh, I don't know what year, two years or so. I mean, you, you know, you've certainly become more of a, a fixture on on the dirt side of things. So, what about that? As somebody who, you know, primarily focused all of your your journalism on on NASCAR and stock car racing, what about the dirt racing side of things appealed to you initially that made you want to cover it more? 100% the personalities and 
um, especially the the veteran fixtures. I mean, I'm going to be totally candid with you guys that you know, growing up in in, in pavement land, um, it's very clear that the ladder has been established. That you know, if you don't make it to cup, your career was a a waste. You flamed out, and then you should probably go do real estate or something because. Um, it's either cup or, or die. I mean, you've got your veterans like a, like a Lee Pulliam, a Bubba Pollard, um, a Mike Looney who run late models and, and super late models. And I love those types of veteran personalities. And listen, the racing and, and sprint car and, and midget racing, it's spectacular. But I love the fact that you've got just such a great mix of personalities. You've got the the young development types. I mean, obviously Toyota has put a lot of effort and, and, and intent into developing young drivers and, and Geo's running their stuff. And that's a great example. I mean, Geo has decided he doesn't want to go run NASCAR. He wants to be a sprint car guy and Toyota is still, you know, honoring that. And I think that's kind of cool, but you just look at the, the veteran personalities and I'm not getting as much of that as I used to. I mean, I used to do a lot of ARCA stuff, and you look at ARCA now, and ARCA is the land of the 15-year-olds. There's no more Frank Kimmels. There's no more um, Josh Williams or uh, Tommy Hessert. It's the 15- and 16-year-olds, and I just love that you've got these really incredible <clears> – excuse <throat> me, I've uh, got dirt. Oh, my throat, I should get used to it. But you've got all these, like, great <laughs> personalities, veterans, and um, – I just I, I, I fell in love with this cast of characters that you see, especially in 410 racing, which is what I've really grown attached to. Like you could write, you know, fiction with these great personalities and it's real. It's like it's, it's nonfiction. Yeah. And I just I just posted um, the Flow Racing All-Star Circuit of Champions roster today. Uh, Eleven strong, very diverse, good race car drivers. Ones that have not won a ton of all-star races, which is exciting because Aaron Reitzel has now moved on to the world of outlaws and has been contending with Roth Motorsports. Uh, we can say that Matt will be at Bristol covering the world of outlaws. So, yes, we will be covering the outlaws on flowracing.com. You know, we have wing sprint car rankings. The majority of them in there are the world of outlaws. But what are you looking forward to most about the all-star season and some of the characters? You know, Tyler Courtney has been really good. Uh, moving into the wing sprint cars, Corey Eliason has a tremendous start to the World of Outlaws season. Um, Kyle Reinhardt, some of these Pennsylvania drivers, Lucas Wolf, you know, getting into the mix. TJ Michael races in Ohio. It's a great cast of characters. Yeah, I mean, Sean Rahal is a guy that I'm actually looking forward to covering more. That's a story I'm actually looking forward to tell because I've covered Sean Rahal before, and I think that's kind of a, a neat element. I have not actually written a story about Sean Rahal since he was running pro late models at Gresham Motorsports Park. So that's kind of a, a full circle moment for me because Sean started doing the, the pavement stuff and then he went and did sports car racing and now he's here in, in 410 land. And so it's kind of cool to kind of have that full circle moment. But again, it just comes back to the personalities and the tracks. I mean, to me, I think that's my, my favorite part of it. There are some of the most iconic facilities and um, just racetracks in general that I, I've never been able to cross off the bucket list. And that's what a, a lot of this is to me, especially during the past year with uh, the pandemic and evaluating the places that I want to go and, and can go. And there's just a lot of uh, 
things I wanted to cross off the the checklist. And I mean, I, I was watching the, the weekly show from Port um, earlier this week. It was actually last week's Port show. And I just thought to myself, I want to go there so bad because that place just looks incredible. It looks um, venerable is really the word for it. Just this reverence from this really cool facility. And there's so many of these racetracks I haven't been to. Like when it comes to dirt racing, I've been to Eldora. Uh, I've been to Knoxville. I've been to, you know, Magnolia, uh, the Rev. But I really haven't been to a lot of the more iconic facilities. And when you look at the All-Stars, they, they check off a lot of those boxes. And so that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to say just for my own vanity's sake that, I've been to these places and I've covered these things, but I know the racing is going to be good. The personalities are going to be good. That's what it always comes back to, to me, because I'm a storyteller. Where are the best stories? And there's a lot of good ones in the all-stars this year. Port Royal is spectacular. Uh, I can confirm it's uh, it's one of the Amazing. coolest racetracks in the country. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are some of those other tracks that, you, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it. What are some of those places that you have circled that you are really excited about visiting? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not even <laughs> going to sit here and like BS you guys because <clears throat> I, I really don't know because I, I'll go to a place like you, you guys will laugh at me. I've never been to this place and people have told me the surrounding area isn't that good and it's not really the greatest facility in the world. But I, I watched the All-Stars race at Lawton last year. And it was such a great race. I'm like, I want to go to Lawton. And I never, ever in any other walk of life would have ever said other than this. It was a Tuesday night show. Ever in my life say, I want to go to Lawton, Oklahoma. Because <laughs> why, right? Like, but it was a really great race with really compelling characters up front. And so I, I can't sit here and like BS you guys and tell you that I have this checklist of places I want to go because I don't even know any better. So the, the beauty for me is going to be able to to walk into a facility, cover a race, leave and say, that place is really cool. I, w- I want to go back. And so I, I just can't tell you what those places are yet because I haven't lived that lifestyle. Like if you were to ask me, like when it comes to a pavement short track standpoint, I could list all these cool facilities and that's one of my favorite things about the job and the job as I've done it. Cause I can tell people about fairgrounds, Nashville or Oxford or Winchester, any of these places with history, you know, watermelon capital speedway, people don't think of, and it's got character and it's old. I can, I can answer that question. I want to be able to answer it on the dirt side, but I can't yet. And that's part of what I want to be able to experience and and kind of share because I've got a different audience too. Like I'm looking forward to sharing me learning about some of these iconic dirt tracks that I've never been to with more of my, my pavement background readers. Yeah. That's, that's refreshing. Yeah. Because I mean, I think, you know, you look at the dirt racing people and they're all, you know, they're going to tell you, Oh, this place sucks or, you know, this place is great, but you get to go in it literally go into it literally with a fresh set of eyes and, and, you know, sensory experiences and, and form your own opinions of it, which I think is going to be going to be super refreshing. I agree. And, and Dylan, when he said it about Port Royal Speedway, my second time ever going to Port Royal Speedway, I was at the Tuscarora 50 last year. And, and, and in my opinion, a top five dirt race, uh, the Tuscarora 50 is tremendous. Um, the crowd was insane. The infield is one of the biggest parties I've ever seen. The fair food was just tremendous. Some of the best food I've ever had in my life. Um, they put a tunnel under their track since the last time I had been there with USAC in 2013. And their tunnel 
rivals NASCAR tracks. It is better than some NASCAR tracks. That place is tremendous, but so is Williams Grove. And to see an outlaw race like the National Open or something at Williams Grove, checking both of those races off the Tusky 50 and the National Open would be you, I think. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, to me, here's the other part of it, too. Like, we're, we're talking the All-Stars right now, but even, like, when, when, when it comes to USAC, and I've done a handful of um, – of, of crown races. Cause I, th- I think champ cars are just so cool, but being able to do, you know, the Hoosier hundred or to be able to go to the action track. I mean, that that's what it is. It's just the history. And, and especially with both the all-stars and USAC, you've got so much history. You've got so much prestige and that's something that I, I really value. Um, just as kind of an old school racing guy. I like being able to go to a place that has all this history and, and to learn about it because I can't, I can't have those conversations right now, but I know that there's people who want to have those conversations with me and share their favorite memories and their favorite stories. Well, I was there at such and such in 1992 and whatever happened. I want to be able to say I was there when whatever happened in 2021. And that starts here. Do you got anything, D. Welch? Or I'll jump in. I was going to say, go ahead. If you got <clears> something, jump in. All right. Yeah, so the USAC season kicks off this weekend, and so do the All-Stars. The All-Stars are both second and third at Attica Raceway Park. USAC opening up at Lawrenceburg Speedway. You mentioned USAC. Um, just how excited are you to c- cover some of those characters? You know, probably – you probably – I was. is it accurate that you covered more wing racing, wing sprint car racing, than probably like the midgets and the non-wing sprint cars? Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of that's just a matter of um... – convenience over the years too because uh let's see i i've gone to volusia a handful of times during speed weeks because i'm there for the nascar stuff um the moment that i decided that i actually wanted to cover wing sprint cars and, and really started to think about putting pieces together to allow me to do it more is i went to uh las vegas for the nascar weekend and they had uh both the k&n series and the outlaws at vegas and that was the first time i've been to an outlaw show and you know again it comes down to the personalities and the people and, and the racing was really good as well when it comes to you know midgets it comes back to chili bowl um i've done chili bowl i've done one indiana midget week and it was kind of a similar experience there too though i mean i sat down and, and had a an interview with keith coons and pete willoughby and you know, I come from a dirt racing family. My dad's a dirt racer. My grandpa was a dirt racer. I raced a little bit when I was a kid too. And I just thought to myself when talking to Keith and Pete that these are like every salt of the earth guys that I grew up with as a kid. And you, you lose that sometimes in, in pavement. And I don't want to speak ill of pavement because I'm still very much a pavement guy. But when you look at pavement short track racing, there is a lot of um because there is so many teenagers and it's very you know super trying to be professional to to learn how to play the sponsorship engagement role and you lose a little bit of flavor in in the pavement short track ranks that's why i'm so grateful to have like a a bubba pollard or even a a steven nassie tons of personality there because there's not always a lot of it and so when you when you walk through you know a usac pit area and you get to meet the personalities that are there. It's, it's business. They're trying to compete. They're trying to have fun. And especially for Keith. I mean, he's got partners, and it's the closest thing to, like, a NASCAR-style operation. 
but I just I am reminded of my childhood going to dirt tracks like you know people won't even know these tracks probably but like LA Raceway or Alamis. Um, now my dad races at Deep South. Um, it reminds me of going to places like that with him, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to channel my childhood a little bit because I still very much enjoyed that community, but my, my, my own personal career just took a different trajectory over the years. Me too. Uh, seven years with NASCAR and back on the dirt and I'm really excited about it. A full season of covering a uh, USAC and the all-stars and I'm delighted to have you join us. Uh, short track scene.com is yours. Um, hopefully I said that right. I think I did. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I did. Um, that is did. that is where you cover, you know, a lot of your pavement racing. Now, Flo has added some pavement tracks that I'm sure you're pretty excited about. Stafford, um, Thunder Road, there's going to be more joining the club, um, but you'll be able to still cover some pavement stuff over here, too. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting because I, I, I have covered so much pavement stuff over the years. I got I got a lot of cool feedback from the dirt community, and I've had a lot of messages and texts and that was rewarding but I probably had equal number of, of texts from people in the Stafford community because I have spent so much time there and I, I do know them well. And it's like, we're going to see you more. And um, hopefully I can get down there a couple of times this year because I, I do know that community. And that's something that I can speak with a, a little bit of authority on. I mean, listen, the SK mods, that is the premier. I, I feel confident in saying this. That's the premier weekly show in the United States for pavement short track racing it's really that good i mean you've got 30 sk modifieds on on the weekly cards and it's the best of the best and the racing is really captivating at stafford and the roots just they know how to run a racetrack i mean they're they're one of the great american uh short track families stock car racing families and i've actually i have an award every year Uh, we do like our year end awards at short track scene and I have my promoters of the year and they've won like two of the past three. So it's like they are really good at what they do when it comes to putting a show together and the racing is good and the food is good. Like it checks off all the boxes of what you want when you go to a, a pavement short track race. Yeah. Tremendous racetrack. Short track scene.com is where you can find his pavement stuff. Flowracing.com is where you can find his dirt stuff before we let you go. Bristol. I didn't think it was that great of a race. What'd you think? <laughs> See, it's just so fascinating to me because I, I hear that a lot from um, you know, you're different, obviously, because you spent enough time in both. But God, when I talk to like my dirt fan friends who aren't really stock car guys or NASCAR fans, they gave it such a hard time because they just have a different expectation of, of what what is good, what makes a good dirt show. And all I'm going to judge it by is by a, a standard issue NASCAR show. Uh, the, the spring Bristol race. And I thought that race did a lot for me. I thought, listen, we live in this era right now. And I tweeted this too during the race that we live in this era where everything is sealed off. Everything has maximum aero grip and these cars are planted like trees. And so to be able to watch for, you know, three and a half hours, stock cars make no aero grip whatsoever. And everything's about mechanical grip and they're sliding all over the place. You had the great finish. I have no idea what Denny Hamlin was doing going up against the wall. <laughs> There's nothing there, and he did it again. I have, I don't know what that was about, but I thought the racing between him and Joey was really good leading up to the last caution. 
you had a great story with an underdog, kind of an underdog team. I, mean, I think that um, Trackhouse is running, they're running RCR equipment. So RCR isn't front runners and they're a first year team and they led, this, you know, 61 laps. I thought it was a really good show. And I'm a, I'm a pavement short track guy. I don't want to, to lose, you know, a, a concrete short track race for a dirt race. But it, it, it did a lot for me, and I'm excited to see what that event could become next year because they're doing it again next year. Um, what they learn about track prep and ways just to do the overall event better. I, I think they're going to want to bring the old car back because I'm not I'm not sure that um, having the new car with independent rear suspension is going to work on a dirt track. I was talking to Justin Marks earlier today, and he um, – he compared it to taking an Indy car to a mud bog if you were to take the new cup car to a dirt track. So I thought it was a fun race. And listen, my phone is still blowing up in the 24 hours since that race because it created so much interest and people are debating what Denny should have done. Would Joey have done it to him? And when you're asking about, was it a good race or what do I think? I'll let the people decide. And, and the people are still just, you know, raving about seeing cars sliding all over the racetrack, multiple lanes at first, but then then at the end you had classic Bristol, and it was about the bump and run, and if you're willing to do it, that works for me. It works for me every day of the week, twice on Sunday. I thought you made a good point there, uh, especially saying taking away one of NASCAR's best racetracks, pavement racetracks, right, is what my issue was with it. Because Eldora had a better race. Eldora's, all their truck races were better than both of those races yesterday. However, if they get track prep right, that could be better. It could, and I, and, and I agree with you in the sense that NASCAR didn't lose. Like, it was a big weekend despite the rain. Yeah, and I'll take it a bit further, too. I mean, listen, I, I'm totally with you. There's a lot of places that I would love to see NASCAR go that is a traditional dirt track. But... Maybe would there's 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 a few exceptions. I mean, obviously Knoxville is is a mecca. Um, I've not been to you know the Grove, but people say you know the Grove and there's all these other facilities. I, mean, I, I know that World Racing Group wants to turn Volusia into kind of a similar facility too, and we've all been to Eldora, so we we know what that place can be. But there's just certain things you can do with that Bristol facility. The, you know the the capacity, the activation that I, I think is really attractive to them. And if you look at that spring race, it, it might be 30,000 and 30,000 is kind of a good number for the modern NASCAR attendance, but you stick it at Bristol and it looks so bad. So if you can convince 50,000 to show up, 60,000, I don't know. This year is not a good judge because, because of COVID, but they turn people away. So there's clearly more interest. And I would like to think that the show they saw on, on Monday would make them want to come back. There's just a lot of different things that you can do that works financially and works for the activation and sponsorship that you probably couldn't do at Eldora. I mean, Eldora is kind of far out of the way. I mean, it's an hour and a half from, from Indy and Columbus. But it's, it's a great racetrack, but it's just not in the market that i think nascar wants a cup series race to be and so it's, 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 it's complicated i would love and i think this is kind of to your point tyler i think that i would love for there still to be a spring race on the concrete and then maybe you do a summer dirt race but there's only 36 points paying dates so they're trying to figure out room for a street course race now 
Uh, you've got Fairgrounds Nashville that's likely to kind of work its way in with Speedway Motorsports. So it's getting crowded. I mean, if we're going to try to do street racing, road course racing, short track racing, intermediate racing, super speedway racing, road courses, um, you're running out of space. So it's just, it's really hard. Yeah. And we also need IRP in there too, right, Dylan? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) All three series. Thanks so much. (laughs) Which by the way, they're spending, um, I've got to check into this, but last I checked when I talked to um, the guys there, they got a grant from the state and it's a, a motorsports grant and that that's about one million dollars and there's already planned 10 million dollars of capital improvement going into that entire facility a large part of it is the um is the road course and the nhra track they're building a a purpose-built dirt track on the facility so they want to have marquee dirt racing too but they want to bring nascar back and I, i love that racetrack i love that that market that facility I want so desperately for that to be back on the rotation too. Maybe not for the Cup Series, but I, I just miss having trucks and Xfinity on Friday and Saturday at the little track, and then it builds to the big track on Sunday. I, I miss those weekends so much. Yep. Yep. Me too. They're so much fun. <laughs> and Casey Kohler is a partner of ours, uh, and it's obviously owned by NHRA. So, um, you know. NHRA, there's some crossover. JR Todd's a huge, uh, you know, fan. The Celsies are dirt racers. I mean, you know, we're, we're huge NHRA fans here at Flow, and we're also huge drag fans too. Uh, and, would, and would love to have some NHRA races on Flow Racing. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited about you working with us this year. Uh, you start April 1st. Um, that's kind of like leading up into, you know, Attica and Lawrenceburg. And uh, we have a ton of content coming out already, and we're excited for you to write for us. So, we appreciate uh, you coming on the show and, and giving it a hit, and we'll uh, do it throughout the year. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys, big fans, which is why I'm here, because I, w- I want to be able to add to it. And I just hope that I don't drag you guys down too much early, because there's a lot a lot of things I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm learning. I'm excited, and I appreciate you guys being a, a wealth of, of information and knowledge for me, because I can't do this without y'all's expertise. Matt Weaver, uh, one of the newest employees contractors if you will writers uh you know middle writer probably you know our senior writer right now because we don't really have another writer besides me and the occasional tim and chet has something out recently uh we all just kind of throw in as much writing articles as we can and that's why we brought matt weaver on uh to contribute all season well the first quarter and we'll uh, decide you know whether he's gonna go to the chili bowl or tuscarora 50 like i mentioned we're excited uh dylan let's get into our hat shakes Brought to you by the first partner to be added to the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing, and we're super excited that Sun Dollar Restoration has come on for the entire year. Of course, Sun Dollar, Kim and Jason, they sponsor both Zeb Wise's cars in the All-Star Circuit of Champions series this season that you're going to see the Ted car, and also they have partnered with Dylan Welch over the years at the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl. Um, great partners, great friend of ours. We're really excited about it. They're also partners at Circle City Raceway, and there might be a connection there uh, to help us out with the live, some live shows. Uh, but Sun Dollar Restoration, incredible people. We're really excited to now officially say that it is now the Sun Dollar Restoration Hat Shake of the Week on the Loud Pedal Podcast, and this is the first iteration. Let's jump right into our hat shakes this week. KT uh, already had him on the show, won the No Way Out 40, $7,500. He mentioned that Brady Bacon uh, really was the class of the field until he broke on a late late 
race restart. Um, Power I did a lot of racing. Uh, Buddy Coford nearly went undefeated over the weekend. Jake Newman won the final night at Shane Stewart's Port City Raceway. Um, I can't wait till USAC goes back there, Dylan. Port City is an amazing racetrack. Yeah, they've they've Shane's done a nice job of uh, you know of pumping some uh, some of his you know touches back into that facility and um, and yeah the Power I races were at least the one that that Newman won was was fantastic and that was who I was actually going to give my hat shake to just simply because of how he uh, how he negotiated those last few laps you know he was in heavy lap traffic he was getting sliders thrown at him from uh, you know from Oklahoma City and uh, you know did everything right, didn't get over, you know, didn't overreact, didn't, you know, put a wheel out of place, you know, got through the lap traffic good, fended off the sliders good and, and, you know, beat, beat the best and, and buddy and, um, you know, everybody else that was there. So, uh, it was an impressive run for him, you know, power eye champ last year. So, um, you know, good start to the year for him too. With Courtney going to the all-stars, I really feel like buddy Kofoid is in for one of those Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, type seasons Dylan Welch they just have that car really really good right now and he's set to win a lot of races I believe yeah absolutely I mean he was you know he was so good last year um that you know I, I think that there would be no there should be no uh you know nothing holding him back this year you know he's got a full year's worth of experience in the midget you know plus he's been running you know the wing sprint car too obviously which we all know helps um and and he's you know got a, a wide open slate you know with a couple guys departing the the national scene that um you know theoretically is going to open the door for more wins so yeah i mean i like him to i like him to not only you know win races but you know i think he's a legit threat to win the the national midget championship this year as well boss the buckeye outlaw sprint car series ran at waynesfield drew raider won there paul dues the hard charger tj michael won in the wing car there fast at waynesfield i was sad I couldn't get down there. Um, friends came up to Michigan, so I didn't go down to Waynesfield. Uh, Justin Peck won at the Grove. Dominic Selzy won again at Tulare. Max Adams won a second straight USAC, uh, you know, USAC CRA event. He is right behind Austin Williams in the points now with USAC CRA. He has also cracked the top 10 in our non-wing sprint car rankings. That's at flowracing.com slash rankings. Brad Sweet won again in the Outlaws, this time the Jason Johnson Classic. DJ Foos won the fast race at Attica. Jim Siegel at Lincoln. Ryan Smith won at URC at Bridgeport. And Justin Sand won the Taco Bravo event. Truex and Logano at Bristol. D. Welch, uh, I guess I didn't get your opinion. Good or bad, the race at Bristol? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I like that we were trying something different. I mean, I think, you know, the there's things that – you know, need to be better about it, obviously. I mean, I think, you know, the dust and the sun glare and people not being able to see obviously was a, was a problem. Um, you know, but I, I like that we're trying something different, you know, I mean, it, it's always to be expected the first time you do something as radical as that, there's going to be things that people can complain about. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I thought it was entertaining. You know, I, I, um, I think there was an element of, of strategy and, um, you know, smarts that I think, you know, to be honest, we've lost in a lot of these NASCAR races lately. Um, so I appreciated that aspect of it. I appreciated that it was, you know, that it was, uh, you know, the drivers driving the cars, you know, really driving them and not just, you know, out there, you know, holding them wide open around some of these places. So, uh, I like that aspect of it. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see how, um, how they take what they learned this year and, and apply it to, to future races. 
I was a little harsh when I talked to Weaver. I actually, it was better than any pavement race. Don't get me wrong. Like any dirt race is going to be better than any pavement race, in my opinion. I've always agreed with that, especially the truck races at Eldora. They were tremendous. Um, I liked seeing that Daniel Suarez and like Truex and a couple of those non-dirt racers who I know are very, very talented race car drivers took to the dirt well, Dylan. I mean, because it became a slick pavement racetrack at the end of the race. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, we call these dirt races, but they're not dirt races by the end of it. You know, there's it's I've always thought that's amusing. You know, we hype up these dirt guys that come in here so much, you know, the Stuart Friesens or the Mike Marlers or the even a Larson or Bell, you know, these guys that have these dirt racing backgrounds and nothing that they have ever raced, nothing that any of those guys has ever raced compares to the car and the track that they race when they run NASCARs on dirt races. Nothing compares. It's completely different. So that's always amused me that, you know, we've, we, you know, the, in the dirt racing community talk about these dirt racing guys and, you know, expect them to go out there and dominate. And every single time it's a NASCAR regular that, that finds a way, you know, even at Eldora the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's been a NASCAR, it's been a stock car guy. So, um, you know, what does that say about, you know, the events? I don't know, but, um, you know, it's entertaining. It's something different. Breaks up the breaks up the monotony of of you know that can sometimes come with with the NASCAR schedule. There's no doubt about that. All great points. Great show today. Kevin Thomas Jr. was awesome. He's getting ready to kick off things at Lawrenceburg Speedway with USAC. It's their spring opener. Attica, the All Stars, their Circuit of Champion, the Flow Racing All Star Circuit of Champions roster is out. It's eleven strong. Uh, shout out to Tyler Altmeyer or whoever at the All-Stars wrote up a nice article on uh, the 11, and I'm really excited about the core this year. Some young ones, some new uh, to full-time wing sprint car racing like Tyler Courtney, but also some really fast veterans like in Corey Eliason, Ian Madsen. Uh, should be a really good year. I will be at Attica both nights. If you want to say hi to me, I'll be working a lot. Um, so you might not see me drinking beer in the stands, but you probably will eventually. Uh, I'm also going to any. Did you see Bernie's trailer was stolen? Yeah, I did. That that's not good. Um, we're going to go down there, cover that a little bit, give him a pop, uh, see if we can find that trailer uh, with a video on flow racing. I'm also going to hit Clawson Marshall's circle city is building their racetrack. We're going to stop there and hopefully Rudine racing uh, in Indy. That's all tomorrow. USAC back in action again. Hopefully you enjoy the races. D Welch, your picks to win at Lawrenceburg and all stars to get out of here. There's two races with the all stars, oh. one at Lawrenceburg for USAC. Boy, I don't know. Um, I think somebody like Brady Bacon, you know, or, you know, could potentially win at Lawrenceburg. Um, you know, he's run well there in the past. Um, Attica, man, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think it depends on, um, you know, depends on which of the local guys shows up and, and you know, if, if the rest of the All-Stars are on their game. No doubt. Zeb Wise could be interesting with their new team. I agree, like the local guys, Cole Duncan or Cap Henry. Cap Henry won at Attica last year. Could be a good pick. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Eliason's been really strong with the Outlaws, so maybe maybe I'll go Eliason and Cap Henry one of the nights. All right, so one night Eliason, one night Cap Henry. You like that? All right, let's do it. Book it. All right. Thanks for joining us on Episode 29. We'll have Episode 30 this week. See you then, Dave Welch. Welch.